This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 87. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Marta Costa to the Baller Circle. Marta is the founder of Online Profit and Chill. She specializes in helping online coaches shift from exhausting, stressful business models to more leveraged, automated, and chillaxed forms of marketing. She believes one-on-one offers, manual selling, and launches are a recipe for burnout and bitterness. Marta, I'm happy to have you on the show, and I wanted to know before we get started if you wanted to add anything to that intro. No, not at all. Um, and every time uh, I hear it or, or read it, I'm just—it's one of those things where I'm like, "That's right." <laughs> Hopefully, what I'm what I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I think that it's it's so cool that that is your focus because I think that so many uh, so many people do start these businesses with the idea of having freedom, right? But then they end up having a business model that just leaves them more burnt out and, and they don't know how to leverage it. So I'm, I'm curious to know like what you're doing with your clients uh, to help them get out of that, you know, kind of frustrated, stressful, exhausted mode. Um, but before we jump into that, I want to know more about you and uh, and kind of how you grew up and what, if, if anything, inspired you to want to become an entrepreneur. It's interesting. I hadn't, uh, really thought about that. My parents um, are Cuban immigrants. They came over from Cuba and they got married and I was born here in the United States. And, you know, of course we grew up with the whole, you know, American dream thing, you know, of just being grateful to live in this country and have the opportunities that we have. And the way that my parents grew up, they thought about entrepreneurship entrepreneurship themselves they both did for different things at different times but it was too risky you know it was something they were scared to do it was much safer to have a job you know with a pension or benefits and you know set hours than to actually make that leap and to be honest when I started my business it was more of a hobby than you know an actual it, it, I was really just looking for something to uh, I don't know what the, the good word would be, but to just kind of use my brain basically, um, to backtrack a little bit. Um, we now live in Texas, my husband and I, and at the time, you know, probably going back before I started my business 10, 12 years ago, we owned insurance agencies. And at the time I was working from home. Um, and when we sold our business, they kept my husband on with the company. It was an insurance company that was looking to expand in Texas. So they wanted to keep him on, but they already had um, a group of people in Louisiana doing what I was doing. So they didn't need me. So at the time I thought, this is perfect. This is my chance to finally be a stay at home mom and actually not be working the whole time and enjoy raising the children and all of that fun stuff. And that lasted for about a year, a year and a half before I literally felt like I was going to jump out of my skin or something. <laughs> um, keep, keep in mind, I'd, I'd always had a job. I'd been, I started my first job when I was 13, 
so <laughs> I've been very used to always working basically. And so having that time off with the kids was awesome. It was great, but I needed something more. And I started looking for opportunities to work from home and still be here with them, you know, when they were little and have flexibility and setting my own time, you know, but I didn't really start off with this deep desire to start my own business. I started off with really looking for something to occupy my mind. And this just happened to be the avenue, the path that opened up for me. And it was then at that point, once I got started that I realized I really love this. And it kind of blossomed from there. Nice, nice. I like that story. And I think that that's a it's a fairly common thing. I hear that I hear that uh, quite a bit. So like my, my wife and I had our first son about nine months ago. Uh, she's been staying home with him. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard from so many people that have, you know, one, either decided to go back to work right away and then felt like they wanted to stay home. So they ended up leaving their jobs to stay home. Mm-hmm. And then other people who have, you know, had the idea initially that they were going to stay home and then realized I, I still need uh, the fulfillment of having something additional. Uh, so they ended up either, either starting a home business or, or going back to work. And I think it's awesome that you were able to find the happy medium of having both where you were able to find something you could do um, and, and build out this business from home. And I'm curious, what, what was the thing that uh, got you started in this uh, space? Like, how, what was your first, I guess, um, you know, business idea or, or thing that you, that you tried? You know, and that's funny too, because at, at also I wasn't looking to start a business. I started looking for a job. I was looking for a job that I could do from home. And back then, uh, say 11, 12 years ago, there weren't a lot of options. A lot of like when I started looking, you know, in classifieds and trying to find things online and asking around, um, they were, they all seemed really scammy. You know, it, we were either cold calling or doing those types of, or, um, collection calls, which that's not scammy, but, or you were like, you know, filling envelopes for companies to mail stuff. Or, I mean, just some of it just seemed shady and weird and not real, you know? And, um, I found a magazine article in like good housekeeping or one of those magazines, that the whole point of the article, it literally like the the headline was like four stay at home jobs that aren't a scam or something like that. <laughs> literally, it was like it was one of those things like magic. <laughs> I'm standing in the grocery store line and there's the magazine looking at me and I'm just that's what I've been looking for. <laughs> so um, I started off one of the options in there. and I don't even remember what the other three were, but one of them was um, become a virtual assistant. And it was in looking at that and trying to figure out, okay, what is that? I had no idea what that even meant. And in researching what it was that I realized, oh, I have to start my own business. Um, It's not a job I can go get, or at least back then it wasn't. And started the whole journey from there. Hmm, That's cool. So you start out as a virtual assistant. And then how does that translate into online profit and chill? That's a funny story. Not funny, haha. But I started, you know, learning about becoming a virtual assistant and getting all of the skills that a virtual assistant needed. Um, and that was fun because I'm a learning junkie. I'm a total learning junkie. If there, if there's anything out there to be learned, I want to learn it. <laughs> Especially when it comes to the tech and the marketing 
aspects of things. I love that stuff. So for me, it was just a continual love fest with learning. And if I happen to be able to apply the skills and make some money, great. But it wasn't urgent at that point. And so I started getting some clients. I started getting some business and growing a little bit. And I started to feel a little resentful of my clients because it sort of felt like I was an order taker at McDonald's or something, you know, it was very much, you know, this is what I want, go do it for me. And then I would go do it and come back and say, here you go. You know, here's your order. Would you like fries with that? Or <laughs> it was very transactional, very, uh, I don't know, one-sided. And I started to realize that I didn't really enjoy that. Um, we'd owned our own business before that, pretty much every job I'd ever had, I had, was somehow involved in the operations of things and in management. And so once I realized, okay, what it really meant to be a virtual assistant back then, um, I realized, okay, there's got to be something else. You know, there's got to be something more to it. And I ended up finding this training from Tina Forsyth, um, the online business manager certification. And I did her program and that opened up a whole new world for me. You know, suddenly I was not just taking orders. I was partnering with my clients and helping them grow their business. And, um, from there I started learning more about marketing and started doing more consulting. And really the more I worked with people, the more I realized that, there was no cookie cutter way to do anything. I worked with so many different people making great livings, doing such a myriad group of things, so many different things in so many different ways on their own terms. And I was just amazed um, and realizing that what I really love to do was helping people get to that point in whatever way they wanted to do it. You know, it didn't have to be through uh, video marketing or content marketing or blogging or, you know, it didn't have to be through any one path. It could be done in any way. Anybody can go out and build a successful business around their lifestyle. It's totally possible. Mm -hmm. And so, that's what I love to help people do. Okay. I like that. And, and I, I love the fact that, um, you know, you went out there, you, you, you know, worked as a virtual assistant, you realized this wasn't the path for you. You took action as every entrepreneur story, you know, goes, you got, a, you took a course and then you decide to, to go out there and help other people. Um, so now with the, with the services that you provide, what do you find? Or I know you said there are, there are just a variety of so many different businesses and so many different strategies, but do you find any common themes among, um, problems that your clients have that, that you're constantly being asked to solve for them? Yeah, I, you know, as you're saying that, and I'm thinking it through, there's probably three common things that I see over and over and over again. And one is just overwhelm, you know, whether it's overwhelm with the tech side of things and not knowing how to do what they want to do, how to get their vision out there. Um, or overwhelm in terms of there's so many strategies and there's so many, you know, everything changes on a dime every other day in the online marketing world and just not knowing what's the exact right thing to do. Um, and then probably the other thing I see people really struggling with is just giving up too soon. 
You know, that's the big one is just, you know, oh, you know, I, I gave a webinar and only three people showed up. And so webinars don't work, you know, when that's not necessarily the case. You just got to keep going. And that is probably what all of the successful entrepreneurs have in common um, is that they just keep going. They pick themselves back up, they dust themselves off and they go do it again and maybe change something a little bit to try to get a better outcome and then do it again over and over. Right, right. And that and that's yeah, a common theme that I've heard as well. Like I think so many people unfortunately what they do is they they hear success stories and a lot of times the success stories leave out all the struggles. They they leave out all those years of failure and and things not working out and you know, like you said having webinars where three people showed up and they assume that the people who were really successful, their first webinar, they had a thousand people on there and they sold all these, you know, products and more than likely their first webinar, they had no one on there and first Facebook live, they had no one on there and they, you know, slowly built that up. And, but a lot of times, unfortunately that doesn't get seen. And so people think, Oh, well it didn't happen for me right away. It must not be for me. I need to quit. Um, so I'm, I'm curious with, uh, with, with you identifying those three areas, who is your ideal client? Who are the people that you typically, um, find yourself working with? And I guess like working with most. Yeah. My ideal client tends to be the, uh, and I always hesitate to say it, but it's, it really is women, female entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, speakers, who they know they've got it going on. You know, they have a skill or they have a service. They have a way to help other people, but they don't know how to or aren't able to scale it up to the point where they can really have the lifestyle that they want. You know, they feel like it's either or. Either I have you know, a great family or home life, you know, or social life, or I have a great business and they don't know how to marry the two. Um, those are the people I like to help because, um, they've tested their product or their service and they know that they could be successful. They know that they can help people. Um, and they have a bigger dream, you know, that they want to bring to fruition. Right. So with this, with this, with your, your focus of helping people get out of being exhausted and having these stressful business models, doing the one-on-one -on -one offers, what's the other, what's the other way? What's the, uh, I guess the most leveraged way and, and really, as you put it, chillax form of marketing. <laughs> it's, there's a few steps in there. There's a few different, uh, components to that. Um, I've been talking about this a lot lately in my emails and in my blog posts, just because you know, tis the season to start planning for next year, but planning, you know, having a plan as, as unsexy as that is. Um, if you have a plan, you know, right now we're working with people to plan out 2018, right. And it really feels overwhelming for people when they're in the process of doing that. But the relief that you get, you know, when you can look ahead and know what you're doing, next week, next month, next quarter, and be able to plan in advance and have people supporting you and have it all done without that crazy hair on fire, uh, <laughs> doing everything at the last second style of business. Um, you know, and there are people out there who will say, but that's how I do my best work, um, is in that winging it mode. And, I tell you, if you give it a shot, if you create the plan and you work the plan, even when things don't go fully according to plan, it's so much easier, so much less stressful 
than when you do it the other way that I, I doubt anyone would go back to doing it the other way. Um, and I'm trying to think what else, I mean, all of these things are really not sexy, but they really do work systems, you know, having systems in place. Once you've done something more than one time, it needs to become a system, even if you're the one still doing it, but just to prepare for when you can have team or when you can bring in uh, software or, you know, whatever it is that you end up doing, having systems in place, that is huge um, to be able to leverage and grow and scale. You can't do that if you don't have systems in place. And um, really, it just depends on the type of business. For a lot of coaches, the people that I work with, it means group programs, you know, versus the one-to-one and creating courses, um, to help people and doing a combination of the two. A lot of what I'm doing nowadays is, is a combination. Yes, we help people still, you know, implement their marketing, but I'm also helping them do some of it themselves and I'm helping them consulting them with their strategy. So for a lot of people, it's turning into a mashup of both do it yourself and done for you type work. Okay. That makes sense. So for you, for your business personally, how are you going about acquiring your uh, customers? How do, you, how do you get yourself out there and stand out in this crowded place of uh, people trying to trying to be coaches? It's interesting because I don't really market myself as a coach a lot of the time. You know, a lot of my people find me because they've been referred to me through other people that I've worked with. Um, and I think that helps, actually, because be, there are so many coaches out there. But coming at it more from the consulting side um, and even from the implementation side, I still have a team of people who helps me um, implement marketing strategy for people. So a lot of times people will come to me because they need help with a product launch or they need help with a program or they need, you know, they want to start putting funnels in place in their business or systems. And even though that's coming from the service side, you know, doing things for them, I add in the strategy and the consulting side as well. And that's helped me a lot especially making the transition from just, you know, doing the work to doing the coaching side of things. But it actually helps that I don't really put myself out there as a coach. Um, It's a really crowded marketplace. But having that, again, that combination of service and consulting is a differentiator for me. Right, right. I like that. Uh, So so you mentioned that uh, clients come to you for different services. One of the things you mentioned was product launches. Uh, what's the, what, I guess, what's the best product launch strategy when a client says, you know, I want to launch this product. I've, I've launched one in the past. didn't really work out that well. What do you tell them? I have a really customized approach to all of them. To me, there is no one cookie cutter way. There really isn't. I dig deeper into what it is that they want ultimately, what their ultimate goal is. And then we kind of work out from there for some people, Um, it might be, you know, uh, just doing the usual video series and webinar and email campaigns or a big joint venture launch. You know, that's another fun one for other people. It might just be, you know, doing something fun, like a challenge, you know, leading through to a webinar, leading through to calls for sales calls, basically. It just depends on the person and how they want to market, what feels good to them. You can't force someone who 
say hates to write to do a series of blogs and articles and guest posts and all of that stuff. And you can't force someone who hates video to do a video series or Facebook lives or, you know, you just have to kind of find what fits for the individual or it's not going to work. Right. Right. I, I agree with that. And that makes a lot of sense because it won't, it will, you know, you'll just get burnt out and you'll be back where you were trying to get them out of, right? You're trying to get them out exactly. of burnout and bitterness. <laughs> it falls flat. And that's why a lot of times, you know, when you do see people, I, I have over the years, I've seen people spend months <laughs> trying to perfect this whole launch process and get something out there only to see it flop. And they put so much effort, you know, blood, sweat and tears into it. And it flops because they're doing something that isn't in alignment for them. You know, it, it's something they don't believe in. They didn't enjoy. It's, you know, a battle throughout the whole thing and it just ends up flopping. And it's so sad to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. So a few times uh, in this conversation, the topic of webinars have come up and I know that's something that a lot of people are using to sell products. Some people successfully, some people not successful. If So say a client comes to you and they say, you know, uh, Marta, I have this you know, I want to do a webinar. Last webinar I did, three people showed up. How do I get more people in the webinar? How do I do a successful uh, webinar? What, what do you What do you tell them? We take well. We'll go back and review what they did the first time around. Usually, um, it typically just comes down to traffic. You know, what? How large is their list size? How many people are they getting that webinar invitation to? You know, um, we take a look at their opt-in page for their webinar and make sure that it's a good converting page. You know, there's a lot of little things that you can look at, look at their email open rates, their click through rates. We always go back and revisit everything that happened the first time around. If we can, if, if they got that information and then we kind of try to diagnose from there what the problems were and fix that before we try it again. So if, let's say they have a, uh, have an email list, but it's very small, right? They, mm -hmm. and you know, their landing page is not that great. Uh, and they're trying to figure out how they can get how they can maximize the webinar. Would you say that before they go go at it again, they should try to build a build their email list larger? Or what's a what's a I guess a way to, I guess, maybe supplement for that <laughs> lack of large email list? Yeah. So the first thing we do is tackle that opt in page and make sure that it converts the best that it can, you know, and get that up so that when we do send traffic to it, we get better results. But then, yeah, it's one of two things. You're either, um, you know, paying for advertising to get some more eyeballs on that opt-in page and do some Facebook ads or uh, Google ads or LinkedIn ads, wherever it is that your audience is, you know, and how to get in front of them. Or um, if they have some good connections, maybe some partners that can promote for them to get them in front of more audiences and help them build their list that way. Right. Right. Are you, are you a big fan of email marketing? I am. It's getting tougher and tougher, you know, and I know that people, even myself, I don't like emailing a lot, but it still works. It still works. You know, um, you send out the emails and you get some sales and you send out another email and you get more sales. Unfortunately, I know people get upset about that. People don't like a lot of emails in their inbox, but it still works. Right. And, 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 it, and I know so many people, you know, they are, I, every day I hear more people saying, you know, webinars don't work anymore. Email marketing doesn't work anymore. But then I know all these other people who, who that's their whole business and they're making tons of money doing webinars and emails. So apparently it is exactly. working. Um, 
from what from what you've seen, and I know that you know there's no one size fits all for everyone, but are there certain elements that you've noticed that uh, help email open rates go up? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the subject line, the subject line does it all. Uh, that does all the hard work there. So if you and building a rapport with your audience too, right from the beginning, if you can, you know, is to just nurture them and stay in contact with them and build relationship and just give, you know, and um, you know, one thing I tell my clients too, is that you kind of have to train them to expect you to ask things of them. So you always have some kind of call to action right from the very beginning. So they know from day one, that yeah, you love them, you wanna give them great content, and this is a business, and sometimes you're gonna ask them to do things. It might be to reply, or to comment, or to join a Facebook group, or um, you know, it might be to go look at this webinar page and see if they might wanna opt in for your webinar, you know, whatever it might be, but if you always ask them to do something, then they're not so surprised, and, and it's not so jarring when you do. Right, right. That makes sense. Well, Marta, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Uh, happy to talk about your business. I love the the name, Online Profit and Chill. It's pretty cool. I love the fact that you're focused on chillax forms of marketing uh, and helping people get out of overwhelm because that's not a good place to be. Uh, and I want to know before we close out, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Awesome. Well, thank you so much. They can go to onlineprofitandchill.com. And right there, I have a free gift waiting for them. If they would like one, uh, they can click on the button. And otherwise, they can read more about me in the blog posts and check out the website. Awesome. Well, thanks, Marta. I really appreciate the time and uh, have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be sharing another story of yet another inspiring Internet baller. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to Internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.